MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. To start looking at next week's NFL line. This is The Look Ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network. In our number two of the look ahead, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, Dave Ross, Wes Reynolds here, and you heard Brent Musburger's great voice talking about the NFL. And it's never too early to look yeah. ahead to the NFL. And, and hopefully, uh, the next winner of the uh, Kurt Gowdy Award, uh, or, or excuse me, not the Kurt Gowdy, the Pete Rozelle Award. Kurt Gowdy is for basketball. That got get, awarded this weekend. But. Get him in. Get him in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the Pete Rozelle Award. Uh, Jim Nance uh, took up uh, arms for him right on the Super Bowl telecast. Jim Nance, of course, a recipient of that Rozelle Award. And if you heard Jim Nance's call before Tony Romo then spoke over it, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Nance said jackpot, right? Yes, he he did. It was. So when Brent was calling games right here in the desert for the Raiders, he would, you know, hit jackpot as his signature call for the Raiders. That's pretty cool that Nance is paying homage to Brent in Brent City. Well, and I and I credit Jim Nance. Uh, Dan Patrick and the Danettes on the Dan Patrick Show kind of got this going. Brent was, of course, making some rounds during Super Bowl week, uh, was on with uh, DP and, mm-hmm. and the guys, and they got it going about the Hall of Fame and asked him. They were like, are you, are you in? And he's like, no. You would just assume he was. Yeah. I would assume he was. Yeah, because anybody that's like a who's who in, in, in NFL television and radio, oh my. because that's what this award does, because the NFL really grew as – a television product under Pete Rozelle yes. as the commissioner in the 1980s and the 1990s. Uh, so anybody who's anybody, Pat Summerall, John Madden, Chris mm. Berman, JB, James Brown, Tom Jackson, so many, so many that have won this, uh, the Sables from the NFL films. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully Brent gets that call to Canton and gets that Pete Rozelle. Uh, we're biased, obviously, but really not to take the biases out of where we work. He should absolutely be in the hall for his contributions to the NFL. So, you know, but we're going to talk a lot about this, obviously, before we get to the April draft. And you and I remember doing the shows together last last this time last year. And it was at this time, I believe Bryce Young was the favorite to go. Excuse me. C.J. Stroud was the favorite to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. And then we saw the flipping of the markets, right? And then all of a sudden it flips and, you know, Bryce Young becomes the the going away favorite. And that's because of information is going to move those markets. Last year, there was a debate, at least for a a small time, as to who should be the first quarterback taken. Should it be C.J. Stroud? Should it be Bryce Young? And I don't think there's any debate this year. It looks like a slam dunk that Caleb Williams is going to be the guy. To be the first quarterback selected, forget about which team or which position, Caleb right now is minus 1,000. To be the first overall pick, Caleb Williams is minus 900. So Mm -hmm. small variance there. Is there maybe could be a trade down? They're leaving that buffer in case uh, 
Ryan Poles in Chicago decide, yeah, we're going to stick with Justin Fields. I, I got I got to think they're exploring the trade market, though, because a lot of this, I think, is going to be a little bit financial, too, mm. because it's like, OK, you get this guy on the rookie deal. Obviously, Fields not on that rookie rookie Dude. deal anymore. So uh, there is a money issue here, whether you're totally sold on uh, Caleb Williams or not. He looks like the ultimate favorite, but we know there's some maneuvering. We know that maybe the Washington Commanders uh, want to draft the kid from uh, Gonzaga College uh, there in D.C. and trade up uh, to uh, go ahead and get them. But it seems like we basically have three quarterbacks in the top four, top five. Caleb Williams, Drake May of North Carolina, and Jaden Daniels of LSU has been the one that has really moved up. And here's the interesting part about that part of the conversation of the equation when it comes to the commander sitting at number two right now. For Caleb Williams to be drafted by which team the Bear, in the marketplace, the Bears are minus 400. So remember, minus 900 to be the, the first player drafted. Right. Minus 1,000 to be the first quarterback taken. But if the Bears, and we are not saying, America, that he is, the consensus Bears are not entertaining calls, They've turned their phones off. It is Caleb Williams. Well, that would be the way to play it. The Bears minus $4 to draft Caleb Williams. The Commanders gets interesting because they are sitting at two. Obviously, just have to go up one spot. And also the local ties of Gonzaga High School and the OC now being Cliff Kingsbury, who interviewed for the Bears job for whatever reason, didn't Mm -hmm. get it. Then looked like he was going to be the Raiders OC. And whatever happened there, here, which is still interesting, the bottom kind of dropped out after they had a deal in principle. And then he does officially become the commanders. They are at plus 250 to be the team that selects Caleb Williams. Is that the number that could go on the move with information? That all of a sudden we hear, oh, commanders are going to give three number ones right. to move up a spot. That's where you could see these. Yeah, numbers it certainly could. And and look, there's a there's a lot to play out in the interim too. Of course, uh, there's the combine. Usually, a quarterback that's going to be picked that high does not throw or work out of the combine. They go and do the interviews and they go take the wonderlick and all that stuff. But they don't do the drill and they they wait for their pro day mm-hmm. on their turf. You their know, to throw yeah show. yeah to throw to their their receivers and you know that guy because they want to look the best when the scouts come in. So. Uh, that all depends, you know, does a guy interview bad? Does he, is a guy score not as great? Mm. And certain teams will value that more than the others. And then, you know, there, there's a lot of maneuvering here in the draft and that's why the draft can be lucrative, but it also can be tough to bet because all the information out there, you've really got to have a filter for this information because you've got to keep in mind everybody around the draft, they lie. Uh, I know I'm breaking news here on this program, but they lie. Agents lie to journalists, uh, uh, GMs, and and presidents, and team owners. They lie. So yeah, don't put it past them to maybe use somebody, whether you know, to you know, get something to Schefter that that is incorrect or, or Jay Glazer signal. or any That's of the right. other NFL insiders out there. So yeah, you've got to take the information with with the grain of salt. We saw that in the draft a couple of years ago at the top uh so we even saw it a little bit this year oh this team really likes will levis now all the time all of a sudden he goes in the second round Mm. so so things happen you know and uh, you know like somebody like michael Penix, who is projected as a late first round pick he could be a dropper because of the medicals so there's a lot of things at play here and i think that's why and that's very smart to bake that in on the commanders at plus 250 because that obviously should be substantially higher absolutely should be i will tell you this back in my dc days mike shanahan who was then the head coach of the old redskins at that time told me and others that the the truest thing i'm going to tell you is i'm going to lie to you to your point i mean told us to our faces and i understood exactly what mike was saying i'm going to tell you what i want to tell you that does not mean that that is the truth so when you hear these things coming out especially between now and april Keep that in mind. And you saw it play out in real time in Carolina between the new head coach, Frank Reich, and the owner. And what happened? Frank Reich's not there anymore. He Mm -hmm. didn't make it one year. Why? Because they had a difference at this time last year. Yeah. Leading up to the draft. So when you hear all these things, and that's why you saw the numbers flip 
from C.J. Stroud being the favorite, that's who Frank Reich wanted, to being Bryce Young, flipping to the over the $2 betting favorite uh, before it closed on, on draft day because that's who the owner wanted. So these type of things, we can all sit back and go, wow, it's going to be Caleb Williams. Yeah. You got to make sure the owner, the front office, Kevin Warren, and Ryan Poles, the GM, I don't know how much actual say Matt Eberflus. Yeah, has. that's 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 what's a little different now. Is it's because like it's like okay, I'll go with what you guys want. I want to keep my job. That's here. it. What do you guys want? Yeah, everybody else. Yeah. That's you. Okay, great. Yes, sir. But it was clearly different with Frank Reich this time last year, and that differing of opinion literally cost him his job in the end. And they still have obviously Bryce Young there in Carolina. So these are monumental decisions that are going to be made. A lot of the clamoring around Chicago is, hey. Let's trade, because again, Mike Shanahan back in the day basically traded three number one picks to move up to number two with the Rams, St. Louis Rams at that time, to draft Robert Griffin III. That wasn't even to number one. That was three number ones to move up to two. That was the Andrew Luck draft, who went number one, of course, to Indianapolis. And then RG3 went to two. So if that, if he can use that as precedent, and you're the Bears, you go, well, this guy gave three ones, swapped yeah. his ones, and gave you two future ones to move up to two. What's the worth of that for the generational Andrew Luck can't-miss guy this year in Caleb Williams? Because I think the Colts did get it right. They did stamp at and say, no, there's no number of picks you can give me for Andrew Luck. That's how we value this guy. If the Bears look at it in that equation, could they get more then swapping out there first, getting two future number ones. Like, is that the going rate? Yeah, like you bring up the luck thing. Uh, that was even different, more different than the Manning versus Leaf because everybody thinks, oh, it was so clear cut. It was not. No, it was not. They were they weighed this decision. They they very much in Indianapolis considered Ryan Leaf. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to depend on you know who values what and if and if these teams are absolutely sure that they've got the guy. Because look at what's going on in Carolina. Even though uh, the owner, David Tepper, won out and he's the owner of the team and he's going to win out, are they still sure that he's the guy down in Carolina? Now, it's only been one year, but they're not totally sure. Dave Canales is going to have that as the new yeah. head coach in Carolina. So now he's got to try to make it happen because he got hired to make it happen. So, yeah, uh, you know, th- this, uh, this is just really interesting how these dominoes fall. And I understand, you know, like you mentioned, the, the Kingsbury thing. Of course, he was an offensive assistant yeah. at USC, worked with Lincoln Riley, so he's worked with him before. So it makes total sense, but because it makes total sense and this market gets more sophisticated as more people have availability to bet on it, that, that's why they don't like to book draft a lot here in Vegas. Very few shops don't like to do it because – it moves so fast and it's, and, and it's a lot and yeah and it's a lot you know a lot of smart guys that are getting in and you know getting in at the right time it's a little different at some of the national books like a DraftKings, where it's like okay you got so much volume that maybe you can't beat get beat up as bad as maybe some of the vegas stores you know that that when they on draft day when they traded for robert griffin the third i started off the press conference and i asked coach i said uh, you guys traded three number ones to get robert you know what is it about him that is worth that and, and coach said well it was two number ones and well, well, it was three because you swapped. Well, it was two, and we swapped our first round pick. Mm-hmm. Like, boy, are we arguing over semantics? <laughs> oh my goodness! When we come back, Taylor Curtis is going to join the program. That's next here in the Lookout. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. 
like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for? Check out our brand spanking new website, vsin.com. Apparently, Brian Ortega has already got a, an article out, Wes. If you check it out, three weeks away from the Oscars Hawks. Mm-hmm. The only person at our network that could challenge Brian when it comes, is you. You're the only guy that I would say, yeah. He, he's more of a movie guy, though. He's more movie? Yes. You got to check out the new website. It is out there at Beeson.com and check it out today. Some would say what we saw at the All-Star Game was a bit of theater. I don't know if people were intrigued by it or not, but it is over. 211 to 186. The East wins said All-Star Game. Dalla Dame, y'all. He's the MVP. Ooh, as they rain down from Gamebridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis tonight. Damian Lillard, leading scorer for these, 39 points, 26 shots. Uh, 26 uh, shots. He took 23 of them from three. Uh, uh, Halliburton with 32 only took 15. Let's bring in Tanner Kern uh, from DraftKings. Follow Tanner on X at Tanner Kern underscore. Tanner, if you had the East in the over, it was never a sweat. If you played in the game, it probably wasn't a sweat. What did you make of what we just saw collectively here in this all-star game? So I did have the East and the over. Luckily I took the East because it was plus money. I'm not going to play minus 150 in an all-star game. And I took the (laughs) over because there's absolutely no defense in the all-star game. So that's my biggest takeaway right there. These guys are just playing offense. They're shooting three pointers consistently. Probably I'm going to stay away from betting the all-star game in future seasons. Just looking at it, it's very hard to predict. It worked out for me, obviously, tonight, but at the same time, too, you got Luka Doncic taking, you know, half court, full court heaves, basically, with 30-something seconds left in the half and then tweeting two-for-one analytics in the locker room. So I'm going to stay away from this. It's just, it's too much of a show for me. But again, it did work out tonight. Tanner, uh, uh, In 1953, when they first had the NBA All-Star Game, there were 154 combined points. Tonight, in 2024, 168 combined three-pointer attempts between these two teams. So this is the new basketball, man. This is not the basketball Dave and I, when we were younger in the 80s. It's right in the fourth quarter, Tanner. Beat beat the ball in the paint, man, and (laughs) mid-range. This is three and rim, and anything else is just a crappy shot. Yeah, it was wild to watch. Again, pretty much watched the entire game. Dame was fantastic. There were some guys that stood out. KD had a really good night. Carl Anthony Towns, 50 points. We're really not talking about him because he was on the losing side. But um, overall, good night for the East and a good night for offense. Again, just it's about the show. It's about watching the best basketball players in the mm-hmm. world play offense. Nobody wants to see defense. Nobody's going out there and trying to get hurt. Um, but you need to realize that coming into the game from a betting perspective. Never play an under in this. I think the going into this game, I believe the under, the over 
hit eight of the past 12 seasons. And now based on what we saw tonight, the line next year could be very high. I think it was 363 and a half for this game. We could see 380, 390 um, based on this total tonight. Yeah, absolutely insane what we saw. And we and actually the, 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 the number dropped like a rock uh, towards the under, got way bet down to almost about 352. And it soars well past that total. So we'll see what those numbers look like next year. But let's look at the second half of this NBA season, Tanner, and what you might project here. Because Wes and I were talking about certain teams in divisional prices and teams that are still might possibly be motivated to win the division. But other teams really are just going to worry about seedings. Let's get into maybe some teams that we think might have better second halves than they had first. And that first team had a good showing this weekend. Dame wins the MVP, wins the three-point shootout. Giannis was the uh, captain for the East. But Doc Rivers, this experiment going on in Milwaukee, so far, it looks like a disaster. Tanner, are they the type of team, because of the talent, that they can figure out a way to to shore up this defense somehow and be a real... I know they're a contender because the, the players they have, but I don't know that anybody's taking them seriously. Should we be taking them more seriously in the second half? Well, I think everyone's already crowned Boston the champions of the East. And we can sit here and say, yeah, they are the most talented team. But I have my concerns about the Celtics, too. And in the East, it's a pretty wide open conference outside of the Celtics, right? And and they can be beat, as we've seen in the past seasons. You have the Cavaliers, who are playing really good basketball right now. You have the Milwaukee Bucks, who are right up there in the Knicks, the Sixers, and the Pacers right now. Those are the teams who are guaranteed to be in the the regular playoffs. Um, But looking at all those teams, I think the Bucks have a great chance. Obviously, you have Giannis. You have one of the best basketball players in the world. You have Damian Lillard doing what he has done tonight. You can see that. Um, and he's able to do that throughout the uh, second half of the season. They're going to be in good shape. And Doc Rivers, while the start has not been perfect for him per se, he's still, he's still a reputable basketball coach. We've seen him win games. We've seen him be in big spots um, and perform. Now, this is a tough situation for the Bucks, just based on how their entire season has gone with their coaching staff. Um, but Doc Rivers, I think he'll do enough to figure it out. I'm not saying they're going to win the East, but they could be one of the top teams standing with the Boston Celtics at the end. And then we're probably going to see a seven game series and the best team will win. Tanner, uh, sticking with the East and Dave and I were talking a little bit about divisions and obviously division titles aren't necessarily a priority mm-hmm. in, in the NBA because they don't always affect seeding, but you know, we're kind of trying to identify the tryhards uh, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, who are teams that over the last 25 to 30 games, depending on how many each team has left to play in the East, that you really think, okay, we're going to really try to get that, you know, first round or home court or whatnot, that are the tryhard teams that might not be like the Celtics at the top or Milwaukee? So I think number one being the Indiana Pacers, right? Going after Pascal Siakam, getting him now. Tyrese Halberton was fantastic tonight in the All-Star game. I want to give him credit. And he also showed a lack of, he was was selfless tonight. He was passing the ball like crazy, hitting his threes when he took those. Um, But he's a tremendous player. And now you have Pascal Siakam to join the mix. I think the Pacers are going to be a team that tries very hard down the stretch. Also, the New York Knicks. I was talking to my buddy about this. Since Jalen Brunson has come to the Knicks, he's became a bigger-than-life superstar, right? Jalen Brunson is no longer Luca's secondary guy down in Dallas. He is a full on star and we're seeing that with the Knicks. So I think they're going to be a team that tries hard. They're having fun playing basketball. So those two teams would be my top picks. And also the Orlando magic. I really like what they have done. I love Paulo Boncaro, you know, really good basketball player. And they have a fun team down there in Orlando. So I think those would be my top three teams that you're going to see play really hard in consistent basketball, no matter how their second half goes record wise. I've got a 35 to one long shot ticket on the Pacers to win the East after the Siakam trade. It's not actually 40 to one. Yes, it's actually. Going I, I hope you cast that ticket. I think they might be a year away, but you know, uh, I think Tanner's right. I think that this team is absolutely going to try to get at least get into that top four. You know, and the reason why Tanner that I made that play, if you look back at what happened to Boston and Milwaukee uh, last year in the playoffs, right? They they just underachieved, and here comes Miami. Nobody saw Miami going to Milwaukee winning that series, and certainly nobody saw Miami look like they're just going to wipe Boston off the floor. That thing gets tight, and then they have to ultimately win a Game 7, but they do it with the greatest of ease in that Game 7 a year ago. Are we Not necessarily Miami, but it feels like that Boston and Milwaukee, because of the expectation levels, they get tight. They get tight in some some of these series that they shouldn't really, I think, have much much trouble. Is there anybody else out there? Could it be a redux of Miami? Or do you think one of these younger teams, like Orlando, like Indiana, 
And I don't know that we can count Philadelphia without Embiid, but can the Knicks really be that team that possibly wins the East? They're 7-1. I'm seeing a lot of people on the Knicks to win the East, but I just can't really bet against the Celtics in the spot. I mean, value-wise, yes, I can't take the Celtics at 2-1 right now or 2.5, 3-1, whatever you can find, uh, depending on the sports book that you're using. But this Knicks team, I really do like them a lot. They have a lot of talent, especially it's led by Jalen Brunson. But outside of him, you have Julius Randle when he is playing good basketball. Isaiah Hartenstein's been good. Dante DiVincenzo. There's a lot of playmakers here. And I don't think the star power is enough to match Boston. I don't think it's enough to match Milwaukee down the stretch. I do think they are a little ways away. Um, and the Celtics are going to be hard to beat for years, obviously. But they're a team that could do something. Also, the Pacers, they're a fun basketball team to watch. But I think we're we're kind of mistaking like fun basketball team, really young basketball team that plays hard against the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks teams that have been there, done that and can easily get back this season. So I wouldn't necessarily play it. The value is there, but the value is there because the Boston Celtics are the team to beat. And that's why you're getting good prices on these other teams because the Celtics are just leaps and bounds better than everyone else. Tanner got about a minute 15 left in the segment, but to your point about playoff experience, the top two seeds in the West right now do not have a lot of playoff experience with the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves and the Oklahoma City Thunder 1-2. Clippers there at three. At the end of the regular season, who's that number one seed in the West? Because the Clippers certainly have been red hot. I think it could be the Clippers. They've been very good, especially on the road. And that's the biggest thing in the NBA. You want to find teams that can win on the road because if you can do it in the regular season, you can do it in the playoffs. And I think they're going to continue to do that in the second half of the season. But it's hard to go against Denver. Denver's only three games back. They know how to win, obviously, winning NBA finals consistently, right? You have one of the best basketball players in the world and Nikolai Jokic. So I think the Denver Nuggets could make a run for that one seed. But right now, Clippers are our good bet there. But overall, all four of those teams, you got the Timberwolves, the Thunder, the Clippers, and the Nuggets. All four of those teams are in a position to get the one seed, depending on who gets hot in the second half. But my pick would be the Nuggets. I'm going with the experience. Uh, Tanner, do you mind sticking around for another segment? Definitely. Anytime. Love hanging out with you guys. Let's keep Tanner Curran on the horn. Come on back. I do want to talk a little bit more NBA and also to the NHL, too, as we dip into their second half of the season. Because I have to, we have to address some comments by one LeBron James before we finish that conversation in the West. We will do that when you come back with us right here as we continue. Look at This is The Look Ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're looking for a betting edge on college basketball, the VSIN experts have got you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today. Get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming college hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to VSIN.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns of every single game. Visit VEASAN.com slash pro and subscribe today. That's VSIN.com slash pro. Alongside another pro, Wes Reynolds. To my left, I am Dave Ross. We continue this conversation with Tanner Kern from DraftKings. You can give Tanner a follow at Tanner Kern underscore. And Tanner, what I wanted to get to is we were talking a little bit about the West as we were going to break uh, in the last segment. LeBron's had some interesting comments over this All-Star festivities. Basically saying, and I'll paraphrase here, Tanner, I I didn't know that they were trying to ship me to Golden State. <laughs> and then he says, oh, I'd also like to end my career as a Laker. If you remember how Shaq's career ended, I think he was on a different team every week. Mm-hmm. It was not pretty. Is that, Tanner, what we're going to see from LeBron James? Like, is he going to go that route? I know that MJ, people are still mad that he ended up in D.C. At least he played there a couple years and that was it, right? I mean, LeBron's already been a vagabond anyway. Do you buy what he's saying, that he's going to remain a Laker for the rest of his career? No, LeBron's a businessman. I think he's going to do what's best for business. Also, I think the biggest factor going into where LeBron James plays basketball next year is where Bronny is going to go and where he can play with Bronny, too. So that's another thing to consider. I don't expect LeBron to end his career as a Laker. I think he'd like to win one more time. If he could do it with Los Angeles and he believes that and he believes in what they're doing there, yes, of course, but... I also think he had a part to play in the Warriors trade. I don't think he was like, I believe they tried to ship me off. I think he was actively involved in that. Mm. And if the Warriors, if he believed that that was the right move for his career, he probably would have done it. So I'm not sold on LeBron being a Laker the rest of his career. 
I'm sold on him probably trying to play with Bronny, even though Bronny is definitely not ready to play in the NBA. No. That's probably the next move for LeBron. It's a disservice to Bronny to come out, honestly, because he's not ready to do it. Um, but if he can play with his dad, I think that's going to be the move where LeBron goes, whatever team's willing to do that. Yeah, I agree, Tanner. I, I think Bronny, just watching enough USC, he's, I think, a two-year guy. Isaiah Collier, clearly, I think, a one-year guy. But they've got a lot of guys that are, I think, thinking about the draft and not thinking about winning games out there at USC. And that's why you see him 10-16 and 16 plus the injuries. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I wonder, you know, where LeBron is coming from saying this because it's it's some people believe that he and Rich Paul, his agent, are essentially the general manager of the Lakers. Now, some will say it's Rob Palenka who actually has the title. And then and then there's uh, Jeannie Buss's fan action with with the the rambuses and whatnot so we don't know who's running this franchise very quickly the lakers are 14 to 1 to win the west this year and right now that is boy that's the one two three four five sixth betting favorite in the west alone so i know that you like the clippers and i think we all look at the nuggets and clippers it feels different than the east yes there's a two-headed monster at the east and i asked you guys if there was a team kind of like miami is the eight seed last year in the west could it be Golden State? Do they have enough in the second half? I know that's why they were probably even entertaining that LeBron talk. Is there enough there for Golden State and or a Dallas Mavericks to, to make a move in the West? Or do you really think it is just the big two in the Clippers and the Nuggets? I think it's more the big two in the Clippers and the Nuggets. I think when you look at the Golden State Warriors, yes, they're still fun. They're still entertaining. They still have Steph Curry. And when you have Steph Curry, you're going to be good. But clay has been very up and down, right? Draymond, when since Draymond's been back, they've actually performed very well. But as a whole, I think this franchise is more on the downhill slide. The dynasty's kind of over there. Mm. So I wouldn't be touching them in any way whatsoever. The Mavericks, different story there. I think they can be fun and exciting too. But we've seen how the Kyrie and the Luka dynamic works out. And it really hasn't been super dominant over the past couple seasons so probably staying away from those teams and just looking to the big two in the the Clippers and the Nuggets and also a team like the Thunder the Timberwolves like you got to respect them too because they are at the top of the board right now Tanner I got some hockey to talk about we did have a short slate today but the headliner of course was a uh, the stadium series that they played in MetLife Stadium and uh uh the, uh, the blue shirts uh, make a comeback. They were down late in the third period and then uh, takes 10 seconds for the bread man, Artemi Pranarin, mm-hmm. uh, to get the uh, game-winning goal. 6-5, Rangers beat the Islanders today in overtime. Full slate tomorrow because, of course, we don't have NBA action until Thursday. Uh, then we have a full board. But uh, full slate tomorrow, President's Day, a lot of day games. Yes. Anything standing out to you tomorrow, Tanner? Yeah, I have a bunch of bets on the board. And first off, it's good that the NHL gets something, right? The football gets Thanksgiving uh, Thanksgiving Day. Right now, they're taking over Christmas, too. NBA gets Christmas. So it's good to see uh, that the NHL gets something. My favorite play for tomorrow, though, uh, I do like the Canucks to beat the Wild, minus 120. I hate playing those home dogs, right? I like short away favorites, and that's what we're getting with the Canucks in this spot. The Wild have just not been that good. I can't stand them. They have won four of their past five games, but overall, the Canucks are one of the most well-rounded teams in the NHL. They're scoring 3.6 goals per game, allowing just 2.57. The Wild don't even score three goals per game, and they allow 3.2. So right there, that's a good matchup here for the Canucks to get the job done. Vancouver's also slightly better on the power play and on the penalty kill. Thatcher Demko has been very good this season. He has the best record in the NHL in the net at 30, 10, and 1, and the seventh best save percentage. The Wild have struggled to get going, especially at home, so I think Demko is going to make their life very difficult, and for the short money line price on the Canucks, hard to pass up. I got to ask you to stay in the West here. I want to look at at Edmonton, and they're going to play the Coyotes tomorrow, and I know you like them uh, possibly on on the puck line. Short term for tomorrow, but bigger picture. Is this a team that come playoff time, and I know people that might be scarred after watching them play last year and get eliminated right here in the desert, can they play a semblance of defense enough to trust them instead of just the offensive firepower that, that, that they bring to the ring every night? I think they can. I mean, they've been very good this season in all aspects of the game. Obviously, offense is where they get going, right, with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman. But at the same time, too, looking at them, they've been solid on defense at times, right? So for that reason, I think they could make a run. But again, I I hate betting the top of the board in the futures market at this point in the season because especially in the NHL playoffs, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. We've seen it year after year after year, the top dog gets knocked out because hockey's a sport where a team can dominate shots on goal. And if they don't get one past the goaltender and the other team does, 
they might, they're going to lose the game. So um, that's the biggest difference with hockey. I think betting the top of the board, I just can't do it. We're in the NBA when you're looking at a team like the Celtics or like the, uh, like, like the Celtics or like the Clippers per se, right? You're getting teams that you know are going to be good and you know can dominate. Hockey doesn't necessarily go that way. But looking at tomorrow, I do like the Oilers on the puck line against the Coyotes. Again, starts with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman. Both have been fantastic this year when it comes to points. And then McDavid's been the assist guy. Hyman's been more of the scoring guy there. The Coyotes starting goalie, Connor Ingram, is out tomorrow. Um, so that's going to hurt them in the sense that they got to put uh, Vigmelka in the goal, 6-13 and 13 and 2 with 3.48 goals allowed per game. Both goaltenders for the Oilers, Stuart Skinner and Calvin Picard, have been pretty good this season, so I'm comfortable whoever they start in the net. And I do like the Oilers to cover on the puck line for plus 108 against the Coyotes. And to Tanner's point, Edmonton right now the shortest favorite on the board at plus 750 to uh, hoist that Stanley Cup at the end of the year. And remember who did uh, actually end their long winning streak were the Vegas Golden Knights, who started out 11-1. and this season, but now the Knights find themselves 12 points back in the Pacific. I think they're fifth seed mm-hmm. right now in the West. Uh, Tanner, for maybe those that kind of dipped out after that, that that winning streak ended for the Golden Knights, uh, it, was it just natural regression that they came back to earth, or is there something there with this team who's still very good, but obviously not at the top of the West like they were early in the season? Again, anything can happen in the NHL, so they're a sneaky pick to possibly do something once again. Uh, you're going to come back to the earth in sports. I mean, these are long 82-game seasons, right? Anything can happen over that. But um, don't forget about the Vegas Golden Knights. They have a solid team, and they have a team that can find ways to win games, scoring over 3.3, uh, 3.1 goals per game. They're giving up less than 2.75. They've been fantastic in that area on the defensive side of the ice and they got some star players, Jonathan March, Salt, Mark Stone to be two of those guys. So look for the Golden Knights to step up. My one fear is how they played on the road this season. They haven't necessarily been that consistently dominant team. And that's going to be scary come playoff time because you have to win on the road. But I do like the Golden Knights as a, uh, an underdog pick out of the West, obviously. Tanner, uh, you got a couple more tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This will be in the Eastern conference. Uh, Boston Bruins uh, still near the top, even though the Florida Panthers right now, number one in the Atlantic Division, B's three points back. Small price that they are laying at home to Dallas tomorrow, and then uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in St. Louis. Yeah, so two more picks here. The Bruins just don't love what they've done as of late, but I'm still going to take them tomorrow. I think it's a great bounce back spot for them. Actually last president's day, I was at TD garden. They dominated. Hopefully they can do it once again here. Jeremy Swayman, really good goaltender has not been great this month. Only, uh, uh, save percentage under nine, but he has 946 save percentage in his first game of the season against the Stars. So hopefully he can bounce back and find a way there. And then looking at the Leafs against the Blues, I just think they're going to overpower them offensively in this spot. Maple Leafs scoring nearly 3.6 goals per game. They've also been good on defense, and they're converting on the power play. So look for that to be the difference against the Blues. Second half's gearing up for both the NBA and the NHL as we get to the second seasons here. Cannot wait for Stanley Cup playoff hockey. Tanner, appreciate the time, man. That was a lot of fun ha- hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. There Thank he you, is, Tanner. everybody. Tanner Kern. Give him a follow on X at Tanner Kern underscore. When we get back, let's look ahead. Bigger picture for college basketball and maybe a couple games tomorrow night on the docket on a big Monday. We'll discuss next here on The Look Ahead. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. 
like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Dave Ross and Wes Reynolds on VSIN, the sports betting network. This week on DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can deposit $5 and get a no sweat bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet loses. Download the app, use promo code VSIN when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown kids. It's all yours. Back alongside Wes Reynolds, Dave Ross here, continuing this edition of The Look Ahead here on a Friday. Or excuse me, on a Sunday. To get ready for Monday. Yes. I'm, boy, I'm way off on my days. You know, it's like, it's so discombobulated. It's somebody's Friday It's somebody. It's always 5 o'clock somewhere. Uh, you get to this point of the college basketball season now, you know, the second half, as we talked about with the NBA and the NHL. College basketball, this is now, we're getting close to conference tournament time. And, of course, March Madness, it's knocking on the door. I mean, it's going to be here before we know it, but, what, three weeks? Yes. At this stage of the season, do you feel like you already have a pretty good handle on if I gave you a team and said, can I identify them as a potential? We don't know the draws and all those things. That's going to change once that all comes out. But just a baseline that, yes, there's only X number of teams that actually can cut down the nets. Is it bigger this year to you, or is it smaller? That I, I think it could be bigger. Wow. Uh, it, it could it could be end up being smaller. If, if UConn plays like they did yesterday, then I think that we do because everybody said, well, we don't have a great team, but we might have a consensus number one with Connecticut as they took apart Marquette. And, uh, well, you know, Marquette came in on Marquette. I was on Marquette, and I knew I was done about – Five minutes left to go in the first half. I was like, okay, this game is over. And UConn absolutely took them apart. Meanwhile, the number two team in the yes. country, Purdue, loses at Ohio State. You know, it was eight. Market came in a little bit at plus nine. That's where I took Ohio State. And it was really just like a spot day because it was the first game after Chris Holtman got fired at Ohio State. They they have an interim coach right mm -hmm. now, Diebler, Jake Diebler, who's from Ohio. Yep. Brother John Diebler played at Ohio State. So it was it was just kind of a solid spot for Ohio State that it was like, okay, coaching change maybe the players respond at least in a one term a one game short term scenario now we'll see if ohio state can carry that over obviously you know they are near the bottom of the big 10 but they beat purdue and there comes the antenna in terms of the concerns for purdue who is one of the teams i bet in the futures market at least as a shorter shot at 15 to 1 right before the season but that's the book on Purdue. It's like people don't want to buy in because we've seen so many failures and face plants for that team over the years, especially in the first round. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because a number with this Purdue Perdont lost today. Yeah, there was Perdon right behind the scorer's table, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they don't win today. So UConn is now, and this is why I love these conversations when you look at the futures market, it gets a little bit more crystallized today with the results with Purdue losing to Ohio State. UConn is the favorite now at five to one. Purdue slides 
to seven to one. You still got obviously a great number at fifteen to one. They're the second betting choice to win the whole thing. Houston, and I think we look at them and go, well, we know about the defense, but offensively can be challenged nine to one. Arizona twelve to one. Tennessee twelve to one. After that, Wes, we jump all the way to eighteen. Yeah. So I feel like I don't know if that demarcation is right there with five and a clear cut. It feels like number one in, in UConn. Can some of these 20 to ones, and I'm talking about Blue Bloods, I'm talking about Kansas at 20 to one, I'm talking about Kentucky at 25 to one, Duke at 25 to one. Are we actually overlooking traditional Blue Bloods well, this year? They and, pro- I'm sorry. Uh, no, they, they, they probably all can. But they all have weaknesses, too. We know Kentucky, even though a very good game against Auburn last night, going on the road on the plane and and beating Auburn pretty easily. Mm -hmm. Kentucky defensively has not been there. And, and, you know, they haven't been able to guard the ball screen. They don't protect the rim that well. There's a lot of defensive flaws with this team now. You know, and and, and the thing that's so rare is that Cal's teams have always been good defensively, maybe not so good offensively. This time they're good offensively, and they got kids that can shoot the ball, especially from long distance. But defensively, Mm. look, uh, they gave up, I think it was the Florida and the Tennessee game uh, a couple weeks ago at home because they lost three straight Gonzaga being the third last Saturday. They gave up almost over 200 points uh, combined in two games. Wow, And that concerned you for Kentucky. Kansas, do they have the depth? They've been a little shaky in some spots on the road. Alabama has been playing like a house of fire over the last month or so. But if they have a cold night like they did in the NCAA tournament and they get that team that's, you know, a San Diego State that'll slow the game down, that play really good defense. And then we remember Brandon Miller is the number two pick in the draft for the Hornets. uh, Couldn't throw a pee in the ocean (laughs) in that game. Nobody could. And and that happens in March. It's variance. So you don't always necessarily get the best team that wins in March. It's just who's going to win the six games in a row. The draw is obviously going to dictate. So everything is draw dependent. And plus... Just the way college basketball is, and we saw it last year. I don't think maybe we're going to get that exact same thing where we had four teams that were four seeds or higher that made it because, you know, usually you get at least one or two one seeds. But And UConn as a four was probably better than a four, but that's just what their resume gave them because they had that losing streak in January. But you had Florida Atlantic, you had San Diego State, both mid-majors, and then you had Miami. That was their first ever Final Four that, that they made in program history. So you could get maybe one or two of, the, of those dark horses. So people are going to point if they're looking at the non-Power 6 conferences because Power 5 for football, and then I include the Big East yeah. as the 6th conference. If you're looking for teams outside that conference, I think people might gravitate to St. Mary's at 70-1. to 1. But, mm. but the thing about St. Mary's, look, they are very tempo-dependent. And they can slow the game down, and and they're a pretty good shooting team. They're very well coached under Randy Bennett. But do they run? When do they run into somebody in the tournament that just out athletes them? Can execution beat athleticism? They've got the second longest win streak, by the way, right now. Thirteen games, St. Mary's, UConn, uh, 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 first with uh, fourteen, and then South Florida upset Florida Atlantic today. They've won eleven in a row. So you know, sometimes that momentum, I, I guess, can carry over, but. I think if you're looking in the non-power conferences, obviously one of the first teams you see listed, St. Mary's 70-1. San Diego State 70-1, nice win yesterday. Uh, but I, I I don't think that they're as good as last year. And, and they're in this Mountain West. And this Mountain West, these teams are beating each other yeah. up. You may get five teams out of the Mountain West. You may get San Diego State, New Mexico, Utah State. Colorado State, Boise State, Nevada's in that mix too. They stole one right here at the Thomas and Mac last night against the Rebels. Rebels really melted down late. But look, Nevada will take it. They're over 20 wins already, and they're right in that mix in that Mountain West. It's fascinating too when you look at some of these longer odds. You saw Gonzaga at 80 to 1. This is not Mark Few's finest squad that he's got, obviously. And I looked at one team that really jumps off the page to me, and it's right now the team that's fifth in the Big Ten, but number one on that board. And it's T to the Izzo, come March, at 50-1 to for Sparty. And the reason why I bring it up, you can go back to the COVID year, right? And then the first four in, Michigan State played UCLA Mm -hmm. as the 11s. Yes. UCLA went all the way to the Final Four from that game. That they won, by the way, a dramatic comeback. Michigan State should have had that game won. It goes to overtime. UCLA somehow pulls that thing out. 
I, I don't know, and you heard Izzo kind of getting on his guys earlier this year about kind of today's game, and it felt like, you know, I know some people are like, oh, old man Izzo, can't relate to today, today's players. You know, I still look up and I go, that's a team I don't want to play in March. That you're, That's the type of team that because he knows how to kind of manage what the NCAA tournament is. Right. Is there a team like, could, could a Sparty really be taken seriously? They, they, they could be. And look, they've got th- uh, four seniors, three yep. of them starters. So this is a veteran team uh, with Michigan State. Not one that like overwhelms you with talent, but look, they were a seven seed. They made the Sweet 16, got beat by Kansas State in overtime. Very mm. easily could have been an Elite Eight or, or a Final Four team. They've won three in a row. How about last night uh, against Michigan? Uh, 63 apiece. And Michigan didn't score for like the last seven minutes of the game. Wow. And then Sparty wins by 10 and does cover the number. So now they're 17 and nine. They're nine and six in the big 10, probably not going to win the conference, but we might see how good they are. They got two home games, by the way, uh, against Iowa and Ohio state who they should win. Then that first Saturday in March, they go to Purdue. That is going to be talent. It's like, okay, can you compete there? And can you win in Mackey arena, which not very many teams are able to do. Then it's all of a sudden like, okay, here comes March Izzo again. Uh, one one game before we sign off for the college basketball segment, I got to ask you about the Commonwealth Cup. University of Virginia going to Blacksburg to take on the Hokey Hokey High. Virginia Tech's laying two and a half. I know a lot of my friends, UVA grads going, Tony Bennett, what's going on? Um, this is not a typical UVA type team that we've seen. Are they running to a buzzsaw tomorrow night in, in Virginia Tech? Well, they look, they were 11-5. and five, Now they're 20-6. and six. Pittsburgh snapped their streak last week, and then Virginia won a 49-47 over Wake Ooh. Forest on Saturday. Uh, Virginia Tech, they've lost four of five, mm-hmm. so this kind of feels like You're walking if into they're going to get a win, this is their back against the wall. I, I, I do lean Hokies here with, as a small favorite at home tomorrow. Yeah, laying two and a half, even though it is reported that uh, Del Curry will not be playing in that game in Castle Coliseum. That's unfortunate for the Hokies. <laughs> Come back. We'll talk some golf to begin hour number three next here in the look at MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over guys. All stars Four is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.